Hello, faithful listeners, and after a month of traversing the vertigo highways of the strange and the weird, we re-enter the mainstream in fine style and come bang up to date as we once again do whatever a spider does. Is that grammatically correct? Do whatever a spider does. I Uh, suppose so. Does whatever a spider can? Because we can't do whatever a spider can, can we? Do whatever, I think so. I don't know. That being said, you've seen my grammar. Yes, but she's my grandma as well. <laughs> well, the one that isn't the mother-in-law, obviously. Yeah. Yes. Anyway. That was appalling. That was very, very appalling. With Marvel Comics' latest attempt to reboot the top-tier character, the ever-amazing Spider-Man. Haven't we already done a Spider-Man? Yes, but whenever we run out of ideas or don't know what to do, we will always do a Spider-Man episode. We have plenty of ideas, you just won't let me do any. I will let you do all of them in time. Okay. But this week I fancied going back to Spider-Man. Again? Yes. Because he's my favourite. Okay. Yes. I'm Andrew Leyland. I'm Michael Leyland. And this is Hey Kids Comics. storytelling technique that comics do all the time, but up until recently, nobody else bothered with. The reboot. For those not conversant with comic boot lingo, a reboot is when a publisher decides that a character has too much continuity baggage and decides to either start over again from scratch or take the character back to a previous place. The most famous continuity reboot in comics was Superman in 1986, when the boot was restarted with the new number one and everything that happened before that was rendered null and void. Superman wasn't the only book to be rebooted in 86. DC did this quite a lot to varying degrees of success. Man of Steel was Superman's reboot back to number one. Wonder Woman also rebooted back to number one. Batman didn't, but they did Year One, which retold his origin. Did you like any of those? I've not read Batman Year One. You've not read Batman Year One? Nope. Never? Ever. You need to read Batman Year One. Right, okay. It is by far Frank Miller's best work on the character. Right. Except maybe Silent Night, Deadly Night. I've not read that yet. That was great. Okay. But Denny O'Neill wrote that. Right. Frank Miller just did the art. What about the Wonder Woman reboot? Not read that. <sighs> Superman Man of Steel? I read that, but that was a while ago. So you have no opinion on it? I can't remember much of it. Excellent. Brilliant. The reboot of The Flash? I don't read much Flash. Reboot of Green Lantern? Rebirth. No, not Rebirth, you buffoon. Which one? The, the 86 Kyle one, Rayner. where suddenly Hal Jordan had grey hair and Kyle Rayner was Green Lantern and John Stewart was Green Lantern That's and Kyle Rayner turned that insane. That wasn't a reboot. No, Hal Jordan turned insane. Kyle Rayner exactly. was ten years after they did the reboot. Was he? Mm-hmm. Well, you would know better than And that. it was rebooted with Emerald on. Was it? Mm-hmm. 
Emerald Dome was Green Lantern's new origin. Yes. We've got that, haven't we? But that's yet again been redone with Secret Origin. So Emerald Dome now never happened? No. Do you see how it's really confusing, even when you like comics? We got Emerald Dome from the 50p bins, didn't we? Yes. I love 50p comics. We're today going to be looking at three reboot issues of Spider-Man. And, just because we can, we're going to be going in reverse order. Spider-Man has never had an outright reboot, although he came close in 1998. But the Spider-Man books have been controversial for a while now. Spider-Man's appeal has always been his everyman status, that he was only 15 when he got his powers, made him stand out from the pack as the first legitimate teenage hero who wasn't a sidekick. He was a character who, due to the death of his parents at an early age, was raised by his uncle and aunt, and was somewhat responsible, albeit indirectly, for the death of that uncle after receiving his powers due to his selfish desire to make money. With his uncle dead, 15-year-old Peter rededicated himself to helping people, but, due to his lack of finances, was forced to take a job while still in high school. The character, for me, worked best at this level. He's undeniably a brilliant and smart person. He invented his web shooters and spider tracers when he was 15, but he's at his best when he's on the cusp of adulthood. A child who, through circumstances, has been forced to grow up quickly and tries to balance a normal life girls at school having a part-time job with his superheroics. Spider-Man is also unique in comics lore as he's not particularly well loved by the public. He's misunderstood thanks to a series of newspaper articles that paint him in a negative light and he makes mistakes. But Spider-Man's redeeming feature is his sense of humour. When he's Spider-Man, Peter can really cut loose and be himself. Spider-Man is funny. He takes the mick out of his adversaries, causing them to become apoplectic with rage. He tosses off one-liners and smart Alec comebacks with ease. And a good Spider-Man book has humour and tragedy in equal measure. Compare this to the grim and humourless Batman. Um, or a Superman who's adored by the general public. As it should be. Okay. Not like Superman's Secret Origin. Yeah, Jeff Jones. Mm, Jeff Jones, mostly. Overrated writer ever. Depends. Overrated writer. Depends. Overrated writer. Overrated writer. Depends on what you're reading. Pick to pickle peckers. Depends on what you're reading. It does. I'm sure we'll come to that later. Early on, Marvel distinguished themselves from DC by having characters change. Two members of the Fantastic Four, for example, got married. Reed and Sue, not two blokes. Although that would have been quite challenging for the time, wouldn't it? If yeah. Ben and Johnny had got married. <laughs> Oh, Stanley was ahead of his time. The general public found out that Bruce Banner was the Hulk, and Spider-Man graduated high school and became a college freshman. On the face of it, this is fine. Spider-Man works as a teenager. But then Spider-Man started getting older. He graduated college, got a job, and stopped being the character we all loved. There's a fine line between change and changing a character so much that he becomes unrecognisable. In 2002, writer Brian Michael Bendis said that he'd worked out that Peter should be about 35 years old by now. What age do you think Spider-Man should be? A bit older than me. So about 16? 17-ish. Hmm. So I preferred Ultimate Spider-Man more than Amazing Spider-Man, but I don't anymore. Because he's in high school. Pretty much. And has been in high school for 150 issues. Pretty much. See, I can totally live with that. Yep. I, my favourite Spider-Man is just after Ditko left which is odd because Ditko's my favourite right. as you well know yes. my bible is my amazing Spider-Man omnibus I have one too you don't have an amazing Spider-Man omnibus no but I have a bible yeah but absolute you have a real bible oh you're absolutely <laughs> Sandman but I like him in the first year as a freshman in college Okay. so he's just left Aunt May so he's living with Harry right. not you know 
living with Harry. They're just flatmates. Let's not get carried away. <laughs> and he's kind of vacillating between Murray Jane and Gwen. And that's my favourite Spider-Man. I know how that ended. Yes, badly. <laughs> yeah. Back in 1987, Marvel took the unusual decision to marry off Spider-Man to long-term girlfriend Murray Jane Watson. For me, this is one of the two places that the Spider-Man comic should have stopped. Spider-Man, at its core, is about responsibility and crossing the threshold from childhood to manhood. The minute Peter Parker becomes an adult, the story's over. Amazing Spider-Man Annual 21 married the couple off, and it was a controversial decision at the time, but stuck for over 21 years, seeing as nobody could come up with a legitimate way to break them up. Editor-in-chief at Marvel at the time, Joe Quesada, decided that Spider-Man was a teenager in all other media interpretations of the character. The popular movies of the 2000s, starring Tobey Maguire, follow the comic story having the character graduate high school and become a college student. The cartoons have a teenage Peter still in high school or college, depending on which cartoon you're watching. And the upcoming Spider-Man 4 has rewound time to have Peter back in high school. And he decided to bring an end to the marriage. This was even more controversial than marrying them in the first place, as a number of readers had never known Peter and MJ to not be married. Which begs the question, once a character is so far removed from what he was originally, mm-hmm. but an entire generation of readers have grown up knowing that wrong version of him, is the wrong version of him now right? Obviously I've yes. stumped you with that question. Depends. <laughs> <laughs> On what? If there's an old, there an old reader or a new reader. Well, well, you're 15. Yeah. You were born in 1995. Well done. Which shows that I know my children. For once. Kind of. Yeah. Ish. So as far as you're concerned, yep. in the comics, yep. Peter Parker and Murray Jane have always been married. Not really. Why not? Because you dump old comics on me saying, read that. Well, yes, this has corrupted you from a very early age, but mm-hmm. technically... They have always been married, and you've grown up reading books where you know that they will get married. Yeah. So, which do you prefer? Them not being, or them being. Them being married, and Peter on, and Peter being older, or them not being married, and Peter being about your age. Um, they both work fine, I suppose. See now, there's there's been good stories right. with him as a married man. Don't get me wrong, but. When he's not a teenager, he's not Spider-Man anymore. Invincible well, is now closer to Spider-Man than Spider-Man is. Yeah, okay. And Invincible's really good. Yeah. And there was a book called Static Shock by Dwayne McDuffie, who passed away last week, in which there was a teenager who was more like Spider-Man than Spider-Man was. And I've seen the cartoon. Yes, the cartoons are quite good. And so there was an, en- an episode, an issue, where Invincible met Spider-Man, wasn't there? Yes. Did it not seem wrong to you that Invincible thought Spider-Man was old? Which Spider-Man was it? It was... He was married at the time. So he was Amazing Spider-Man. Yes. Right. Um, no. Why not? Because it's Amazing Spider-Man who was married at the time. See, to me, that just summed up everything that was wrong with the character. If it was Ultimate Team-Up, then it would have been wrong. But since it was Amazing Spider-Man... No, I just... I. I couldn't wrap my head around that. It just That, to me, is where it, the shark was well and truly jumped. Anyway, Quisada decided to end the marriage. Question was, how did he do it? Quisada didn't want a divorced Spider-Man, as he felt that sent out a negative message to kids. He also didn't want MJ out of the book, as she was a very popular character with girls. So he decided that the marriage never happened. 
Something happened, a storyline far too complicated to go into here. It's not that complicated. Well, go on then. Okay, they rerun time. Well, they didn't though, did they? They stopped everything from happening. Peter does a deal with Mephisto, who's like the Marvel equivalent of a, of a devil type figure. Okay. How's, to save Aunt May's life. How's this description? Straczynski pooped on the Marvel Universe. No, he didn't though! Wasn't his idea. He still did it. He wanted to take his name off those issues. So in this instance, Mr. Straczynski is completely devoid of all blame. Cusada pooped on the Marvel Universe. Then. But see, did he? By trying to get the character back to what he was, how is he pooping on the Marvel Universe? Because they should stand by the decision they made 20 years ago but or whatever. why? If that decision was wrong. But if it was wrong, why'd they make it? Well, nobody who's at Marvel now made that decision. Do you, want, do you know why the decision was made to marry right. Peter and Mary Jane? In the newspaper strip right. that Stan Lee was writing, he decided the newspaper strip has a completely different audience to the comics. He was going to marry them. And the right. then editor-in-chief, editor Jim Shooter, decided, well, let's capitalise on this publicity. We'll marry them in the comic as well. And that's how it happened. And it's really rushed. If you go back and read it... And all of a sudden, it's like two issues, and they're married. Okay. And it's, it's how much time progressed through those two issues? Not long, if memory serves. Okay. I'd have to go back and reread them. All right, so maybe it's not that complicated. Anyway, something happened. Um, that all of which hasn't actually been revealed at this point. But the bottom line is Peter and MJ were de-aged to about twenty, which is still too old, as far as I'm concerned. And in comics from 2008 onwards, Peter and, MJ, Peter and Murray Jane were not married and had never been married. And Spider-Man's world was reset. They also lost the child. That's, that's not even mentioned though, is it? And did they ever even have a child now? So Mephisto was messing with them. Yeah. See, there's all this stuff that's not been mentioned yet. Anyway, after the longest intro ever, here's The Cure and Lullaby.
Who said that? The editor's cover version of that is not better. Have you even listened to it? No. Exactly. Cover versions are never better. All Along the Watchtower. Okay, maybe All Along the Watchtower is slightly better. The Jimi Hendrix one, I presume you mean. The Battlestar one's better. Don't talk drivel. <laughs> um, I prefer the Bob Dylan one to the Hendrix one. And the Battlestar one to the Dylan one. You're a fool. Anyway, today we'll be looking at the recent relaunch of the book, entitled Big Time, Amazing Spider-Man 648 has a cover date of January 2011, making it the most recent boot we've covered on this show, and is 40 pages for nearly three quid. Three quid a comic? (sighs) At least the Spider-Man books are 40 pages, so you feel you're getting some value for money out of it. The 40 pages... I think this one's 40 pages. Well, they're not all 40 pages. Are you sure? Are the first four issues of Big Time not all 40 pages? I I can't remember, to be honest with you. The book has a cover by Humberto Ramos, and as befitting a relaunch book, it's a montage piece. Spider-Man dominates the frame, and there's a series of floating heads behind him of other characters in the book. There's a big title on it saying Big Time and it's written by Dan Slott drawn by Humberto Ramos and inked by Carlos Cuevas and edited by Steve Wacker. What do you think? Way too much fun with those names. Yes, Carlos Cuevas and Humberto Ramos. Big Time Sensuality. It's not actually called Big Time Sensuality. No. That was just my little tip of the hat to Björk. Do you have an UV light? No, why? Just shine it over the cover and see sexuality. No, sensuality. So I said sensuality. No, you said sexuality, which is a song by Billy Bragg and nothing to do with Björk. No, I said sensuality. Excellent. I'm glad we're on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of that cover, Michael? Um, well, out of the four, I presume you mean the one we have. The one we have, yes. Really? Apparently this book had four covers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm seeing as I don't have enough money to actually go out and buy four copies of the same comic just because it's got a different cover, I just bought one. That'd be £12. That would be ridiculous. £12. Yes. For pretty much one comic. <coughs> Very silly. What do you think of the cover? There's a lot of heads on it. And well, it, yes, it's a floating heads piece. Well, it's not very good. Do you not like it at all? No. We didn't like the Secret Origin covers because it was people standing around. Right? Yes, and if you want to and know what we thought heads. about Superman's Secret Origin, go back and listen to episode one of our podcast. It was very good. It was excellent. We were good then, weren't we? Great. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, well, no, I disagree with you, though. Superman's Secret Origin was six issues of people standing around, which is dull. Right. Especially seeing as, was it the first cover? Was two old people and a kid standing around? It's like, oh, is that going to entice anyone to buying a comic? This is just one issue to start off with. Uh, and it's the first issue of a relaunch. So, it's not a, a poster type cover. Well, what is it? It's carrying on from the last one but it's a relaunch it was plugged everywhere as being a relaunch a new beginning if you've not been reading Spider-Man jump on at this point and you're away so it's not technically a reboot which is what we're talking about but we'll come into that later so the whole point of that cover is just to attract people to say look a shiny new beginning with floating heads with floating heads yes Mm. see the problem with that is if you don't know who those floating heads are yeah, see? It's kind of a waste of time. Exactly. Because, let's face it, the only ones that are immediately obvious to you that are Captain America and Wolverine. 
the rest are a bunch of people that you may not know. Black Cat and Reed Richards. Yeah, if you don't read comics. And the rest are a bunch of people that you've never read before because this issue introduces them for the first time, in many cases. Mm-hmm. Not all of them. Well, some of one, actually. Well, if you're going to pick holes... It's not even that good. I don't like Humberto Ramos's pencils. Okay. The best thing about that cover is the inks and the colour. Fair enough. Uh, If that's your humble opinion. So the story begins. City dweller, successful fella, thought to himself, whoops, I've got a lot of money. We never get bored of that, do we? No. I think our listeners probably do. (laughs) I know your mum does. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, She just sits there saying, you are going to cut the singing out, aren't you? Caught in a rat race. Terminally. (laughs) I think the singing's the best bit. For us, yeah. Apart from the bits where we put in professional music, Mm. obviously. Spider-Man, to get back to the story. How loud are you? How loud am I? is leading the Avengers, coming to a cinema screen near you in about two years? More or less. More or less. In this group are Thor, in cinemas this summer, Iron Man, two films currently out on DVD, Wolverine, star of three X-Men pictures and his own spin-off movie with another coming soon, Captain America, film out in the summer, Hawkeye and Spider-Woman, Neither of which have movies, but Hawkeye will be in the Avengers film. Not that I'm suggesting that this lineup is tied up to the movies in any no. way. Oh, no, 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 no. Nothing so crass. Hey, at least it's easy to understand. One of the issues we're going to cover next, I have no idea who most of them were. Excellent. We will talk about that later, because that's bad comics writing, okay. in my humble opinion. Turns out, Dr. Octopus is back and has a legion of giant octopus robots attacking the city. The Fantastic Four also muscle in on the action, as does Spidey's ex-girlfriend, former cat burglar gone straight, the Black Cat, a.k.a. Felicia Hardy. Almost popping out of her uniform, she asks if Spider-Man will put a good word in for her with the Avengers. How says they put in a good word? <laughs> it's not a word you'd want to put in, is it? <laughs> oh. oh, lower the tone immediately. Uh, Spider-Man leaves, and one of Oc's Octobots transmits a communique from Oc that the bots will explode in three (laughs) minutes. Oc is a bit worse for work, but Spidey is unaware that Oc has reformed the Sinister Six, in this case the Chameleon, Electro, Rhino, Sandman, Mysterio and himself, and has a plan to access Andrew Air Force Base. The Octobots are just a distraction. Do you like Octobots? I, I don't know if that's mentioned in here or if I made that up. But I'm, if I made that up, I'm quite impressed with that. It probably is in the issue. It's far too clever for me to have made it up. Spider-Man quickly figures out a way to stop them. It's daylight savings time, so he sets all the internal Octobot clocks back an hour, giving them extra time to deactivate the explosion. And the next day, he heads to work. Octobots sound like something the Transformers would fight, doesn't it? Octobots, robots in disguise as octopuses. Optimus Prime just said, ah, you can't come out the ocean. Uh, yeah, I'm mocking him. <laughs> Oh dear. Work for Peter Parker these days is at Frontline, an online news outlet where Peter Parker, along with Phil Urich, is carrying boxes. Nora Winters is talking with editor-in-chief Ben Urich about a new goblin culture that is rising up in the streets, obsessed with the old supervillain, the Green Goblin. 
Phil Urich takes a special interest in this, as he used to be a green goblin, albeit one who tried to be a hero instead of a villain. Mer Jameson shows up and bequeaths the name of the Daily Bugle on Frontline, the real bugle having recently been destroyed. Jameson is unaware that he is being tailed. So it's Urich? Yes. I said Urich. It could be Urich, because Thingio was Urich, wasn't he? Robert Urich. Actor Robert Urich. Famous for being Dan Tanner in Vegas. Okay. You don't remember Vegas? No. He had a convertible car, and he lived in a a big shed-type thing that he just drove his car into. And Robert Urich. He was also Spencer for hire, wasn't he? I don't know. You don't know that either, do you? No. No. Okay, he's dead now. Oh, okay. She's a shame. Um, Peter makes like a tree and leaves, only to find out he's been evicted from his apartment. He webs up his stuff for an hour and makes off to find a new place to stay. He tries old roommate Randy Robertson, his ex-girlfriend Betty Brandt, former high school nemesis Flash Thompson, and new girlfriend Carly Cooper, all of whom turn him down. As a last resort, he heads to Murray Jane, who just laughs at the idea. As a totally last resort, he heads to Aunt May. Whilst the Marla Madison, wife of Mer Jonah Jameson, whose father is married to Peter's aunt, are we confused yet? Informs him that she knows Max Modell, and that, as a science whiz, Peter should meet him. Peter is flabbergasted, which is a brilliant word. Flabbergasted. Max flabbergasted. Max Modell is apparently the Johnny Depp of Einstein's, and Marla takes him to Horizon Labs. When they arrive, Peter gets a flash of spider sense, his inbuilt warning system, but unable to see anything, ignores it. Never ends well no. when he ignores his spider sense, does Ever. it? Ever. Except for that one time, but that's robot chicken. Robot chicken. Yeah, but robot chicken is just deranged. <laughs> oh, so. Good. I'm beginning to think Seth Green is severely warped. Yeah, but that's just me. Peter doesn't see what we see. Can you see what I see? No, but I think I hear what you hear. Can you hear what I hear? Wait, no, you must be tone deaf. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear me. The same shadowy figure from earlier on following a Jameson. Inside, Peter meets Max, and he gives him a guided tour of Horizon Labs. However, one of the experiments goes awry, causing the entire lab to be pushed away at great force. Only Peter's enhanced spider abilities enable him to stick to the floor, and he makes his way against the stream to the control panel, where he manages to shut it down. Duly impressed, Modell offers him a job. Switching to Spider-Man, Peter can barely contain his joy. He settles down for a night under the stars with the Horizon Labs manual and marvels at the number of zeros on his first paycheck. Meanwhile, the kingpin of crime has a new job for the Hobgoblin. His mission? Infiltrate Horizon Labs. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. What about the special story? We're going to talk about that in a What did you think of this issue, young Michael? Um, I don't like Humberto Ramos's. Uh, really? I, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know what you're seeing. It. I quite like Especially it. Especially with the first uh, page, where everyone's chest looks huge. Especially Captain America and Hawkeye's. Uh, I'll give you that Captain America looks a bit off. Yeah. Look at Hawkeye. He's got huge chest and then tiny legs. Well, his legs, perspective-wise, not just disappearing up behind him because he's leaping out of the sky, which impresses me because I didn't think Hawkeye could fly. Isn't he just going to oh. fall down and go splat? <laughs> I'm sure Iron Man will pick him up. You think? 
Probably. Yeah. Although, I can let him off because the next double page splash is very good. Mm-hmm. It's quite cool, that. It is. It's exceptionally cool. Um, I thought having the Fantastic Four in this was quite gave it a cool feeling of this book being a crossover but not a crossover in the sense you'd have to read the Fantastic Four issues that month to know what was going on so it's quite cool making it feel like a big open world yes Marvel used to do really well before they decided that every issue had to tie into every issue mm. where the Fantastic Four do you remember Amazing Spider-Man Annual 1 where the Fantastic Four just showed up for no reason and Doctor Strange just showed up for no reason and then okay. Thor was just flying past for no reason. And it was all like, wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> now it'd be, well, to see what happened in between panels two and three, pick up FF274. Boring. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> there's also a thing in this where Dr. Octopus came across as a bit of a kiss-ass towards Spidey. No, he doesn't. He oh, just Spider-Man is so clever. He's amazingly clever. He's cleverer oh, than me. Smart. He'll he find it all out. He doesn't say... What he actually says is, for years I thought he was a buffoon, a child, but he defeated me in a battle of minds. Trust so me, he must be clever the man is me. a genius. That's not what he says. Oh, Spider-Man, how I adore you. I have your posters up in my evil jailhouse. <laughs> My evil laugh. Yeah. Evil laugh, Smog. Um, there's, on page 11, panel 1 and 2, there's floating heads as well. Is there? Yeah. Show me page 11, panel 1 and 2. Well, I don't know, since it's, there's no... No, there's no goddamn up. page numbers in this damn comic! Dear Marvel, please can you start putting page numbers back on your comics? Yes, there are a lot of floating heads, but... I suppose he is actually talking about these people, so it's supposed to represent what's going on in Peter's head. Mm. So I don't mind that. Okay. It's a very 70s thing, though, floating heads, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Mm. Um, Iron Man also mentions that there's not much vibranium left. That's probably being that, being the new Daredevil, Black Panther can't look after his country anymore. Hasn't he deliberately destroyed it? Has isn't it? that mentioned in the issue? I don't know. That the Black Panther has deliberately done something to vibranium. Okay. See, we don't read Daredevil, so no. we don't know about we've not that. read Shadowland, and, and we've not, not read, read Shadowlands. Because I couldn't give a rat's ass about Shadowland. Yeah. Um, and I also, I also couldn't get over it that the two cleverest people <coughs> in the world, Tony Stark and Reed Richards, can't save the day, but Spider can. Because he does whatever a spider can. Which isn't save the day and outsmart the two cleverest people. Yes, but it has been established from very, very early on that Peter, as a very young, your age type young, had the potential to be smarter than Tony and Reed. That was seeded into his character from very early and it's something they've kind of gotten away from as they've tried to make Peter younger again. But certainly from the Stan Steve days it was it was recognised that Pete had the potential to be smarter than both of them. Okay. So, I didn't have a problem with that. Wait till Valeria Richards grows up and yes. then he's clever. Yeah, Valeria Richards is just a genius. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the whole goblin culture thing's written quite well in this, so that you don't have to read the Osborne miniseries to understand it. One of, well, one of the things I loved about this issue is that you don't have to have read anything to understand it. Mm. I haven't read Shadowlands, I haven't read Black Panther, I haven't read Daredevil. I still got what was going on in this story. Mm. Um, and I quite like that Peter named the piece of cheese Kevin. <laughs> when he used to live with Randy Robertson. Yeah. Wasn't Randy Robertson married? 
At uh, some point. Maybe uh, Straczynski redid that. No, well, it wasn't Straczynski, it was Paul Jenkins. Right, okay. Who had Peter move in and share a flat with Randy Robertson. No, I meant redoing it all, so maybe that didn't happen as well. Maybe it didn't, it's true. Um, but I didn't get how Peter and MJ were laughing so much that he asked to move in. No, it's a bit silly, that. And Flash has Spidey pants. He does have Spider-Man pants, which yeah. is quite cool. Can I have a pair of Spider-Man boxer shorts? I don't think they do any big enough. They do! Spider-Man boxer shorts for, under, for big people. Yes, they were in what's his name? Really? What are you trying to say? Nothing. <laughs> Unless you mean big, in which case, you know, need big underpants. <laughs> no, I meant age old. Yes! They <laughs> totally have Spider-Man boxer shorts in Asda. Right. Because they have Superman ones as well. Cool. I thought so. Nobody's yet bought me any. No. Just saying. I have Superman ones. I want Spider-Man ones. I want Superman I want Spider-Man pants. <laughs> we don't want elephant <laughs> pants, though, do we? No. <laughs> With a big hole in the front. <laughs> Spider Slayer's gag in this, which is quite funny as well. I don't remember where that is. Well, when you write your notes, how about writing what the actual gag is? Here it is. I'm a scientist. Why does everyone keep forgetting that? I used to build Spider Slayers. Don't I know it? What? Nothing. <laughs> Marla Madsen. Yes. Yes, that's very funny. Uh, the dialogue is very funny all the way through in this. Dan Slot has an excellent ear for Spider-Man's dialogue. Uh, it's been a while since we've had a Spider-Man that, that was this consistently funny. It's not in this issue. I think it's in the next issue. Isn't it? Where Peter walks into a door. <laughs> that just made me laugh an insane amount. Just the way it's written and drawn is just brilliant. Very funny indeed. Okay. I disagree entirely. I think the art's brilliant. Okay. Uh, Ramos is a very stylized artist. And I'll give you that his Wolverine looks a bit fat. And his woman have breasts that defy the laws of all known physics. But the two-page spread of Dr. Octopus's Octobots attacking New York on page two and three is brilliant. Um, and this is why comics are just cool. Dr. Octopus has a bunch of robots that attack and a bunch of heroes stop him in five pages. That's not his art, though. It's the writing. Yeah, well, yeah, but he drew it. He didn't write it. If Bendis had wrote this, <laughs> that five pages would have been a six-issue miniseries. <laughs> Probably. And there would have been lots of repeated dialogue. Yeah. The Octobots are attacking. The Octobots are attacking? <laughs> yes, the Octobots are attacking. Were uh, the Octobots <laughs> attacking? And that would have all been in different panels. You're not reading Green Lantern, Tony. Every time you start a new issue is, when I was Parallax, when I was Parallax, you were Parallax. I was Parallax, I killed the Green Lantern, you were Parallax. Every issue. I've been Parallaxed. <laughs> yeah, after a particularly drunken night. <laughs> oh, the only issue I have... Actually, I have lots of issues with the Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, well, I know. The only problem I have is Spider-Man leading the Avengers just seems wrong. Wrong! Hell, Spidey being a member of the Avengers seems wrong. He was his bad guy. When you have a bad guy attacking, you can lead the but Avengers. But he shouldn't just be able to call into the Avengers. Spider-Man's always refused being a member of the Avengers before. When I was a kid, he, he flatly refused to join them. Because he's okay. not a joiner. He's not a follower. He doesn't take orders from other people. He, that's not who he is. He's very much a lone maverick. He does his own thing. He hates taking orders from people. Okay. He doesn't like people telling him what to do. So, if you're listening to this, Straczynski, take notes. Mm. He likes working alone. In being on the Avengers, just reeks of cross-pollination with the films. Or the fact that Bendis thought, right, which characters sell? Spider-Man? Wolverine? Let's put them on the Avengers. And it's, you know, it's just, it's not character storytelling. Okay. It's money storytelling. I'm not against selling more copies of comics. 
but I just don't agree that this is in character. Also, why is he bothered about making money? Who? Spider-Man. Well, Peter Parker would be interested in making money. Yes, but on, on page 17 of this book, he says he's five weeks behind with the rent, but the Avengers get paid. Okay, well, maybe that's why he's teaming up with them. So why is he worrying about money? The Avengers get paid. Oh, maybe he's not a member of the Avengers, but because it was his bad guy, he needed the help. But why is he in the Avengers boot, then? Is it? Yes. I've not read the Avengers. He's a member book. of the Avengers, or the new Avengers, or the secret Avengers, or the Backstreet Avengers, or <laughs> Take That Avengers, or one Avengers team. I yeah. don't think there is a Backstreet Avengers. Backstreet <laughs> Avengers. Backstreet's back. The Backstreet Avengers. <laughs> I quite like that title. Okay. Don't don't tell Marvel. They'll make a comment. <laughs> the Backstreet Avengers. And then there's a Take That Avengers. The Take That Avengers. Uh, Robbie Williams would be Hawkeye, wouldn't he? Uh, the bit where Spider-Man serves the guy's life and then accuses and then the guy accuses him of stealing his wallet. It's just brilliant. Classic Spider-Man. Classic. Andrew Air Force Base is named after the classic Spider-Man artist Ross Andrew, who Marvel editor Tom Bravo recently dissed in a comic book resources interview. Classic guy, Tom. Why? What did he say? He just. Something about um, Ed Brubacker right. said that his favourite era of Spider-Man was the Jerry Conway, Ross Andrew stuff. Okay. And he said, oh, everyone got excited until he said Ross Andrew. One, Ross Andrew's dead. So a real classy way to speak about the dead. And two, Ross Andrew was fantastic, bravert. So shut the hell up. Ooh, got all serious for a second then. Yeah. There's a subplot involving the mayor of New York, J. Jonah Jameson, being stalked that will presumably play out in future issues. You know, if you're gonna drink that, uh, if you're gonna be that serious, I may want you drinking again. <laughs> I am drinking. Alcohol. I have a drink at the side of me. It's not alcohol. No, it's just coke and You're, more, you're more fun when you're on alcohol. Um, everybody's more fun when they're on alcohol. Everyone turns into fun Bobby when they're on alcohol. Apparently, <laughs> Spider-Man and Black Cat were friends with benefits before Peter got himself a new girlfriend, Carly Cooper. I'm not entirely sure that gag should be in a Spider-Man comic. Well, I didn't get it, so... Did you not? No. Oh, well, that's all right, then. You don't watch Friends, then? No. Excellent. Apparently, kids are smarter and more worldwide these days, and apparently, in your case, not. No. No. I'll explain to you what Friends with Benefits means when we're not recording. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, on that note, on page 14, there's a fart gag. <laughs> <laughs> Peter lets one go because he's had a Taco Bell. I did love the line, best not stand near the human torch. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. Yep. But is Spider-Man the best place for a fart gag or is everywhere good for a fart gag? Spider-Man would be better for a fart gag. Would you? Do you think that's perfectly suitable to me in a Spider-Man comic? A fart gag. Yeah. <sighs> would you rather a fart gag be in Spider-Man or in The Hulk? I'd rather they didn't do fart gags, to be honest with you. Everyone needs to do a fart gag. Kevin Smith writing it, I'll probably give it a pass, because he's yeah. built his entire career on fart gags. But, no, I'm, I don't know. I mean, see, I'm torn, though, because I did laugh. <laughs> I did find that funny. But at the same time, I don't know. Um, Ock has realised that Spider-Man is a science genius, but still calls him a child. Kiss us. Yes. Marvel is still being cagey about how old Peter is now. Nora refers to him having been to grad school on page 17, which puts him around 21 years of age. However, stay tuned for the next issue we'll be covering. Because he do mention that he went he to... He do, yes. yes. Phil was the fourth man to don the Green Goblin costume after the original Norman Osborn. His son, Harry Osborn. The Harry's psychiatrist, Bart Hamilton. Do you know what's really sad? What? I didn't have to look any of that up. After these, 
Roderick Kingsley founded the Goblin Equipment and became the Hobgoblin. All of these, at one time or another, have been a pain in the posterior for Peter Parker. Hmm. Did you like that all that alliteration? Pain in the posterior. Pain in the posterior for Peter Parker. Okay. <laughs> I was quite proud of that. I thought good. I was channeling my inner Stan Lee there. Did you not do it on accident? I did it on accident. Right, okay. But after I read it back, I thought, Stan, I bow before you. Okay. Brilliant. The scene where Peter and MJ laugh about living together just rubbed me up as a bit wrong. I know they're no longer married and have never been married, and anyone who says that they were married is a liar and a communist. But if Peter (laughs) really needed a place to crash, even if it was only for one night, Murray Jane would oblige. She wouldn't just turn him out on the streets. That's Dan talking, that is. Why? Because anyone who says they're married is a communist. (laughs) He's a red. And for more on that, see our Fantastic Four episode. It yes, was great. It was fandabby dozy. It was fantastic. Duh, so you did that. Uh, yeah. That would be like saying that this episode is sensational, amazing, and spectacular. Peter Parker knows the difference between Team Jacob and Team Edward. I don't. Unfortunately, <laughs> faithful listeners, I do. I blame my wife for that. You bought it. Yes. Alright, I've only myself to blame. Why did you do that, man? I don't know. It seemed like a funny idea at the time. I didn't think she'd actually read it and like it. Um, what do you think of the issue as a whole? Um, it was alright, I suppose. That's your critical opinion, Siskel and Ebert? Yeah, it's not my favourite Spidey issue. Is it not? Nope. Oh, what's your favourite Spidey issue? I don't know. Somewhere oh. in Brand New Day. Or Somewhere in time. That's a Christopher Reeve film. Is it? Yeah. Right. Based on a novel by Richard Matheson called Bid Time Return. Okay. I'm just astounding you with my knowledge today, aren't I? <laughs> astounding. I can't do anything useful, like put up a shelf. No. <laughs> um, there's, I think there's loads going on here. Strictly speaking, this isn't a reboot. No. As it carries on directly from the last few issues, but enough status quo changes take place for this to qualify as a partial reboot, or a soft reboot, soft. or at least a relaunch. Or how about none of those things, because it's not... Well, we've not got a theme for this episode, if you're going to do that. I'm sure there are plenty of other reboots that we could have done without doing Spider-Man again. Shut up. can never do too much Spider-Man. I think slot balances subplots and main plots and little asides that will become big deals and new supporting characters and situations for Peter in a very entertaining and humorous way. The dialogue is snappy and sharp, the art unconventional and well done, and the colouring's brilliant too. It doesn't swamp out the art like a lot of modern colouring does. No, it should. No, it shouldn't. The art's not good. The art's great. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Go to bed. <laughs> okay, then. That's in trouble now, you with your parents, isn't it? It's better to the wax for the next podcast. Oh, man, I'm all on my own now. Uh, it suffers from being all set up and no payoff, but it does enough right to make you want to pick up the next issue. If you're an MJ Peter purist, this isn't going to change your mind. But all told, Spider-Man hasn't been this much pure fun in decades. And it has a letters page. You can come back down now. I watched your mum on Facebook and I've been sent to bed. Oh, you can come back down. Um, kudos to Marvel for the letters page. I'm a big fan of comic books that still have letters pages. Why? Um, because I think comics should have letters pages. I find letters pages dull. I don't want to care what people think about comics. I do! Especially since, like, you don't care what people think about comics, yet you're here on a podcast telling people what you think about comics. Irony! <laughs> alert! Yeah, but the only thing is, 
the cover, the letters pages are for like four issues back, so I don't remember what they're on about. So I've got to go back to the comic that was released four months ago to know what they're on about. No, you don't. Just read them and enjoy them. But then I read the letters pages four months on, and it's like <laughs> I don't remember a thing. <sighs> so does that qualify as a successful reboot, relaunch, none of the above to you? It it goes as a successful none of the above. So did you not like it? No, it wasn't a reboot or a relaunch. Did you like the issue? It was alright. It was alright, my asteroids. This is Spectacular Spider-Man. It doesn't have a month. Cover date is 2008. Called The Amazing Spider-Man Swing Shift. Originally released as a free comic book day book with altered dialogue. Swing Shift was reprinted as a standalone issue with special features in 2008 as a prelude to Brand New Day. This attempt to reboot Spider-Man again fits in with Marvel's wish to have both Kate and Edith. By not wanting to annoy old readers, but attract new ones. So again... So again, it's not a strict reboot, reboot, as only the marriage is gone and Harry Osborn is back alive, but everything else happened. What this does is just tick readers off, because so many of the previous 20 years' worth of stories hinged on Peter and MJ being married. But Marvel has chose to ignore most of these questions, such as, did Peter and MJ actually have a child now? Who knows? We don't know, do we? And it's just a bit silly. So, we're supposed to believe that Peter didn't show up for the marriage, Mm -hmm. thus meaning that they didn't get married. Mm -hmm. But him and Mary Jane then went and lived together anywhere. Yeah. See, it's just bogus, isn't it? Pretty much. If you didn't get married, your life would be significantly different from that point than if you did get married. Um, I wouldn't know. It makes no sense. Okay. I'm sure they could have come up with a better way of doing this. Only in either readers. (coughs) Yeah, I mean, but your readers are the ones who are if, paying money to listen to buy this drivel. If you've just written, painstakingly written, a great Spider-Man arc, a couple of years down the road, some other dude says, like, oh, no, 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 that, that, that didn't happen. No, no, no. Yeah, it's, it is annoying. The Superman of Batman, the Super Batman of Planet X did not happen. I would be glad and that that didn't happen. Oh, the cover has Spider-Man flashing his ass at us while standing on a rooftop ledge. It's not particularly dynamic or interesting, to be honest. What do you think of that? Um, I quite like it, actually. Once you get over it. Yeah. 
Really? No. It's Spider-Man flashing his ass right, right. That is not a it's, it's, good it's, cover. No, it's not dynamic, and he's... It's dull. He's not flashing his ass. It's flashing but, his ass. But, 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 you sound like a motorboat. <laughs> motorboat. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. It's because I quite like the pencils. I quite like the detail on it. And that's it. It's dull. But it's, I, it's, how can you not like Humberto Ramos? Where at least Spider-Man's doing something vaguely dynamic on the cover. Albeit dull, but vaguely dynamic. On this cover, by Phil Jimenez, he's just squatting on a ledge. It looks like he's just about to take a mighty jump. <laughs> can put... You do know where the web shooters actually come from. Oh, man! <laughs> uh, uh, Alright, let's ask our impartial observer. Which cover do you think is better? That one? <laughs> the one where he's squatting on a ledge about but to take a dump on the citizens of New York? That's a better cover? That looks like... He's not Bert- crouching! He's poking out a turtle head! Right, Humberto Ramos drew a rectangle and attacked it with a brush. That has detail in it. That has pencil strokes and he's tiny amounts of shadow. He's sitting on a cigar, though, dude. <laughs> I don't care what he's doing. It's the detail. It's cat. It's detail. It's, it's it's very good. It's a good. It's a good. Dull as dishwater. No floating heads on it. The inside cover is actually much better. The free comic book day cover. The free, was that the free comic book day cover? Yeah. I think That's a much more dynamic cover. It's a lovely splash of Peter Parker, a.k.a. Spider-Man, swinging towards the camera, again by Phil Jimenez. It would have been a much better, proper cover. But it's... No. The only thing I don't get with the cover, though, is why it goes from colour to black and white. Because it's showing you that it's a director's cut. I hate this. I hate this turning comics into films. Comics don't have directors. Yet. No, they don't. No, no. They have editors. They have writers. They have artists. They do not have directors. You just said Spider-Man swinging towards the camera. Directors cut my ass. Camera. Yeah, the camera being your point of view as a reader. I don't mean actually a, a literal camera. Right. Director's cut. Spider-Man carried on going, though. Yes. Would he crash into the fourth wall? No, he'd, he'd, he'd <laughs> smash into your face. Which is, the fourth wall is stopping him from smashing into my face? Yes. That's true. So, he, is he swinging towards the camera on my face? He's swinging towards your face. Because I firmly believe Spider-Man is real. Excellent. If I go to New York City, I will see him swinging between the skyscrapers. I may go to New York, actually. And I've met Captain America. Okay. Hmm. Anyway, so the story begins. The story is entitled Swing Shift. <laughs> and it's written by Dan Slott, again, drawn by Phil Jimenez and inked by Andy Lanning and John Dell. It's May the 5th, so it's not May the 4th be with you. No. Which would have segued into next week's show brilliantly. Peter Parker is picking a peck of pickled peppers. No, he's not. No, he's not. Actually, he's picking up a birthday cake for his Aunt May. It doesn't say... Get it, get it. I do. Aunt May's birthday's in May. Aunt May's birthday is on May the 5th. Uh, is that why she's called May, you think? Probably. If she'd been born in June, would she have been called June? If she she'd been born April. in April, would she have been called April? If she was born in December, would she be called December? Isn't there an actress called January? I don't know. January Jones. Which is a great <laughs> name. So we would have called you September. <laughs> yeah. I suppose it's better than naming your child after where they were conceived. Surprise the Beckhams I've got a kid called Ford Cortina. Anyway. Oh. Oh. Act 
Actually, he's picking up a birthday cake for his Aunt May. It doesn't say what birthday it must be, but she's clearly got to be 90 by now. Although Aunt May looks like she's been de-aged along with everybody else. The captions tell us that he finally has a chance to do it right since giving up being Spider-Man following the events of Civil War. Civil War, Michael! Well, Tony Stark befriended Peter and convinced him to reveal his secret identity whilst Tony was signing um, a new law that all superhumans had to be registered and become agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. None of this led to Aunt May being shot and Peter and MJ making a deal with Mephisto and getting rid of lots of years of continuity. Yeah, so basically not only did Mephisto get rid of the marriage, nope. but he made it so nobody knows his secret identity anymore. Nope. Except for those that still do. And uh, Peter and me, MJ. Yes, and, and the Fantastic Four. But they found out on their own. And various members of the Avengers. They also found out on their own. They don't remember. They Does found Daredevil out. not know who he is anymore? Probably not. Seeing as Peter figured out who Daredevil was and Vicky Verky long before the Civil War. Didn't Peter Parker figure out Matt Murdock was Daredevil way back when Stan Lee was That's still acting Daredevil? So, if chronology and stuff will get got rid of, did Ben Urich find out that Daredevil was Daredevil? Yes, because Spider-Man's mind wipe of everyone hasn't affected Daredevil. So Ben Urich, Urich probably still knows Matt Murdock is Daredevil. It only What's affected Peter Parker right, okay. and everyone who's ever met Peter Parker right. and everyone ever saw him unmasked live on national television. Yeah. So it only affected the entire world as relating to Peter Parker. Right. People who found out Matt Murdock is Daredevil still know that Matt Murdock is Daredevil. Right. Although in the Bendis story, everyone knows that Matt Murdock is Daredevil. Everyone. 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 He was outed on national television. Actually, Bendis' run on Daredevil was exceptionally good, except it could have been a lot shorter. Didn't they also do that in the Frank Miller run where everyone found out, but then Ben Urich said, actually, no, it's okay. Matt Murdock's always been clumsy with his secret identity. Just a bit, I'm going to call myself what everyone called me as a child. When I was a kid. (laughs) Yeah, it's very subtle. Um, of course, this doesn't last, because this would be a dead boring book if Spider-Man didn't appear. And by the end of page one, his spider sense is tingling. Look, floating heads. Floating heads. Panel four of page one, floating heads. But it's the detail. It's very good. The art in this is fantastic. Um, a car speeds directly at Peter, but because he can do whatever a spider can, he jumps out of the way with all due alacrity. The car speeds off, dialogue informing us that Overdrive is coming through! Peter lobs a spider tracer at the car and changes into Spider-Man webbing up May's cake for safekeeping. Spider tracers in these days. Yes. Well, if he's given up being Spider-Man, one, why does he have a spider tracer with him? And two, why does he have his Spider-Man costume if with him? If you had a Spider-Man costume, would you not wear it under your clothes? He's not wearing it under his clothes, though! It's in his bag! So he's just carrying it around with him, despite the fact he's given up being Spider-Man. That makes no sense. But anyway. You'd still wear under your clothes, though, wouldn't you? I would still totally wear it under my clothes. I wear my Superman t-shirt under my shirt when it's really cold. And it makes me feel like I'm 12 years old again. It's brilliant. I'm so very, very sad. Um, He takes to his webs and pursues the car. Inside the car, Overdrive reports to a mysterious man known as Mr. Negative that he has stolen something from him from the museum and it all went off without a hitch. 
Spidey disagrees, landing on the bonnet of the car, or the hood, because this is an American comic book. He rips off the roof, which two pursuing police officers have a disagreement about. O'Neill believes Spidey to be on the side of the angels, whilst Vinny thinks he's a vigilante who gets his rocks off doing this stuff. Meanwhile, at the Daily Bugle, Editor-in-Chief J. Jonah Jameson is bemoaning the Registration Act has made all heroes legit, and he longs for the day of a vigilante in tights. You can see where this is going. Sure enough, Betty Brandt tells him that Spider-Man is back, and Jonah orders that the presses be fired up so that he can crush the bug. In a midtown bar, the Bucky, which is the lamest supervillain name ever, takes bets on whether Spidey will beat the new guy. Spidey wouldn't mind some of that action, as he's been pulled across town by his webs and engulfed by overdrive's jets. They flip a car, threatening to kill pedestrians. Fortunately, a new heroine called Jackpot, who has long red hair, shows up and saves the day. Spidey takes back off after overdrive. He lands on the pursuing police car, which Vinny and O'Neill are in, and orders them through a shortcut. They cut off overdrive and ran in, ram into him, sending overdrive careening off the Brooklyn Bridge. Spidey acts fast, catching the car in a slew of webbing and sticking it to the bridge. Spider-Man leaves a note saying compliments of your friendly neighbourhood Spider-Man and Overdrive asks if he can keep it. Spider-Man, meantime, picks up the cake but is still late for May's party. Uh, the art is exceptionally good. Better than Humberto Ramos. I'm not going to say better than Humberto Ramos. But it is. But... Well, it you may know it be. is. You know it is. Possibly, just, just, just but art is subjective, isn't it? Um, um, Phil Jimenez yeah. used to be a George Perez ripoff, but the level of detail on page one is just fantastic, isn't it? Mm. it you, you actually feel like you're walking down a smelly New York street on a summer's day. I felt like I was reading it on my bed, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh dear, the colouring doesn't ruin the art either. Um, I'm very, very impressed by that. Um, also on the first page, you know all the floating heads? Yes. I think, now I could be wrong, mm. which I probably am, mm. but I think that's the last time we see Electro like that, with these electric things on his face. With the proper mask that Steve Ditko gave yeah. him that John Byrne got rid of in his ridiculous retcon in Chapter 1. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it's the only time we've seen Electro like that for a while, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, Phil Jimenez... Yes. Also has the Frank Miller virus. What's the Frank Miller virus? Well, the car's not touching the floor. Because he's riding really fast, and he's kind of taken off. You know, like the Dukes of Hazard used to do. But not like that, because he's genuinely flying that car. Is Can the car fly? No, it can't. Oh, right. But it is doing. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Page two. Uh, overdrive is coming through. Why do so many villains talk to themselves? And they also talk to himself in the third person. Yes, they do, which is just, just a bit... A bit silly. Mm. Page four and five are very, very good two-page splash. It's good, yeah. You have your friendly neighbourhood Spider-Man. Does hard. that look like he's channelling Todd McFarlane to you? Um, yeah, actually a bit. Yes, it's very, very McFarlane. It's still good. It is. It's, it's very good. Page six, loved Overdrive's line about there being a bug on the windshield when Spider-Man lands on the bonnet of his car. <laughs> okay. I thought that was very funny. Who is Overdrive? Yeah, who is Overdrive? Uh, Overdrive has Spidey bobbleheads. <laughs> which is quite funny. Which is very funny. But in the Marvel Universe, who makes these things? And they're not all unofficial Chinese things. You reckon? <laughs> unofficial Chinese knockoffs. Uh, the villains in The Bar With No Name include Boomerang, Craven the Hunter, Cobra, the Craven. Speed Demon, and the Jester. Yes, Craven yeah, right. is there. So, isn't he dead? Yes. So, did 
Craven's last hunt not happen? No, Craven's last hunt did happen. Because it's a played a big part in Brand In Craven's Day. last hunt. Craven's oh, first hunt, oh, the sequel, yes. The Stinger. Yeah. The Gauntlet. So is that not Craven's son? I don't know. Because it wasn't Craven's son, Craven the Hunter, He's for a while. Back to us, so I yeah, don't know. so we can't really tell. It and could just be somebody in Craven's costume, for all I know. There's a lost poster. Is there? Yeah. I think it's more a poster of Evangeline Lilly than yeah. necessarily a lost poster. Okay. But, you know, I get what you're saying. Look, it's the dot. Yeah, oh yeah, the spot! The, the spot. spot's in there as well. Brilliant. Yeah, that's fantastic. There's a couple that I don't recognise, I can't be bothered looking them up. Uh, and it's Cobra yeah, King over there. The Cobra. Cobra's there, yeah. Um, Cobra King. I should write comics. Cobra King. <laughs> yeah. the co- wasn't that the Karate Kid? Sweep the leg. Know. Not seen the Karate Kid either. I've seen the Karate Kid. It's very Bits good. Bits of it. Very good, the Karate Kid. Wax on. Wax, Wax on. on. Wax on. The implication is that Jackpot is Murray Jane, um, and it's a bit heavy-handed, to be honest with you. Yeah, I thought she was. Oh, she isn't, though, is she? Even when she got revealed not to be. I still was not convinced. Well, I'm not convinced by that. I think Murray Jane is jackpot to this day. Do you? Yep. That would be a good story. See. Good bits about Spidey being sued for whiplash. I quite like that. Whiplash. Um, how does Vinny know how long Spidey's web lasts? Everyone knows how long his web lasts. Everyone knows that Spider-Man's web dissolves after an hour. Um, on page 14, panel 2, if I can find out where it is, because this comic doesn't have... Right, there we are. The picture, the background, is a photo Eh, loads of people so do that. So, this may be a very detailed comic, but he still cheats. He doesn't cheat. He it's just a It's a different artistic technique. At least he's not just drawing one panel and photocopying it mm. four times on a page or zooming in on it. I hate that! Yep. When artists do that, they draw a panel and then they just keep zooming in on it so it looks like they've drawn a different panel when in fact they've only done one piece of work. Didn't they do that in death quite a lot when you quite liked that artist very much? Chris Bacalo. Chris Bacalo. Yes, Chris yeah. Bacalo did it. He and did Alex Maleev does it a lot as well. And Ryan Otley. Yeah, it's dreadful. Lazy. Um, yes. Um, also, page 16 and 17, the n- next... Don't yeah, that's, that's very cool. It's Where the police car crashes into overdrive and knocks him off the bridge. Yes. Brilliant. But I think it's a waste of a good Bugatti Veyron. It is. <laughs> you do know this isn't real, don't you? It didn't really crash into a Bugatti Veyron and knock it off the I bridge. I know, but... Top Gear would do that. Yeah. But this didn't. What did you think of the issue overall? Overall, I thought it was good. It's and excellent, it? was a reboot. Yes, See? it was a reboot. Probably of the three that we're looking at today, the only one that would officially qualify as a reboot. However, you know, also, the best bit of this comic, mm. screw all this issue entirely, the best part of it is, at the very back, the sketches. Yeah, they do have the pencils, don't they? And, uh, yeah, they are good. Phil Jimenez's pencils are really good. They would have been nice if they re- re- reproduced them as full pages. Yeah. So you could actually see them properly, but no. I am very impressed with that. He's that kind of um, There's an awful lot of setup here again, just like the last or future issue. Big time that we just talked about that wouldn't come out for another three years. Mm. It's weird doing it backwards, isn't it? Yes, let's not do mm. it. Let's never do this again. New characters are introduced, Vinny and O'Neill and Jackpot. Old ones given new mission statements while still introducing two new bad guys all of which will play into future issues. The actual meat of the story is fun. Spidey has a number of good one-liners and the superhero action is fast and frenetic. The problem is the last page. Why is... Oh, there's a brilliant advert for Phineas and Ferb as well. <laughs> um, why exactly is Peter late? 
I didn't get that. Why is he late? He gets there in plenty of time. He picks his cake up. Mm-hmm. Why? Why is he still late? Because would he be Spider-Man if he wasn't late? No. Then again, actually, it's dark when they pick the car up. But he says, he actually says in the dialogue, still plenty of time to grab the cake off of here, swing to Queens, change my clothes before... My webs! I still have half hour before they dissolve! What was I thinking? I don't get that. Can Spider-Man not rip his own webs? I didn't, I didn't understand I, that at I all. I suppose he could, yeah. I didn't know why he was late. Um, and I don't get why Aunt May says Peter has no sense of responsibility, other than to, you know, go, irony alert! <laughs> Uh, for years, Peter worked whilst he was still in high school so he could support his aunt. I really dislike this idea that Peter was a bit of a loser, which is wrong. Peter's not a loser, he's just unsure what direction to take, which is why he works best as a teenager. In terms of setup, it's almost exactly the same as Big Time, in that it sets out the stall of what will be the status quo for the Spider Man books for the next few years. It's quite funny seeing what kind of an artist he is, because if you look at sketches, mm. for the black parts, some artists just like... They just do put X's X, in, don't Just they? put like one X for each part. This guy litters them. Well... With them. Maybe he's just saying, look, <laughs> all of this is black. Wouldn't it have been easy to just colour his eyes in black? Yeah. Instead of putting all those X's. But Brian Hitch once said, there's no point in putting that much effort in doing black, because the ink is going to do it anyway. Yeah, that's true. Why waste your pencils? Um... This was the start of the brand new day storyline and the first time that we saw the new Spider-Man. Although, this issue goes to great lengths to not actually give anything away because this came out in free comic book day a good six to nine months, I think, before brand new day actually started in the Spider-Man comics, which is why some of the dialogue was changed when this was republished. Why? Do you know what was changed? I don't know. It says it on the last page of the text page by the editor where he says they had to change some dialogue so that it didn't ruin what was going to happen in... Was it one more day before brand new day? Yeah. Something like so that. So this was before One More Day? Yeah, this came out about six months before One More Day. Right, okay. Because um, that came out as... So would they have known? And that's yes, why yes, they, yes. Oh, okay. They knew exactly what was going to happen. However, interestingly, although they apparently knew exactly how One More Day was going to end, right. Joe Straczynski wanted Peter to be turned back in time all the way back to issue 100, removing over 500 issues of continuity. And he would just start from issue 100 as if nothing had happened. Okay. Which is not apparently what they had in mind. Right. This was vetoed by Marvel, who didn't want that much of a change. But see, the next issue we'll be covering. So, so um, now that you're getting a bit confused with going backwards, it's mm. alright, because we can just start from the beginning. Yes, we can. Backup features in this special include editor Tom Bravoot's Spider-Man Manifesto from the 18th of September 2006... In it, Bravoort outlines where he thinks Spider-Man has gone wrong and how it can be fixed. You know what you just said? What? In it. In it. Uh, There's a lot of stuff to agree with here. Some not to agree with, such as Bravoort has Peter being 25, which is much too old for Spider-Man. There's an update on all the characters, new and old, and where they are now, and then a few uninked pages of art, which you like very much, don't you? I do, yeah. Uh, Finally, there's a text page from editor Steve Wacker. Uh, It's a nice package... That just sounds wrong. Um, but given that it was originally given away for free, charging yeah. nearly four US dollars for this director's cut, <laughs> just seems a bit pricey. Director's cut. Comics don't have directors. Yeah, but it is quite a rip-off. Like. 
having it four pounds just for some change. Four dollars. Four dollars. About two seventy-five for some change of the words. Queen's sterling. Uh, well, it's because I didn't get this as free comic book day. No. For some reason, free comic book day two thousand and six or something like that. Um, we didn't get to a comic book store. No. So I didn't actually pick it up, so I had to buy it. Um, it's quite a nice little package. The story's brilliantly fun. Yeah. Um, I don't remember how much I paid for it. This is one of the last issues I remember actually buying brand new out of a comic book store, though. Okay. Because now I actually get a mail order, don't I? Yeah. I bought this at Thunderbooks in Blackpool. Okay. I distinctly remember. Thunderbooks. Thunderbooks. It's not there anymore, is it? I don't think it's there anymore, no. no. It wasn't there the last time we went, anyway. I know it is, but it's not because it's not, but it is. Read the story. Yes, it it still had stuff going on before that. But it's still number one. This is exactly. Yeah, we will get into this later on. Exactly what we're saying. Um, This is a number one, so I can actually say I have a copy of the first issue of the Amazing Spider-Man. Nineteen ninety-nine. Not the one from nineteen sixty something. They had the Disney Channel in ninety-nine. They did in America. The Disney Channel just makes you want to vomit, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it's yeah. because you're not a seven-year-old girl. Your sister loves it. Well, so, you know, you're not the target audience for Sonny with a chance. I will be once the Avengers starts. We've got loads of Avengers on the discs that we've not watched yet. No, because... They're on Disney XD. Is, whoever Sonny is, is going to be the Dazzler in the upcoming Avengers film. <laughs> you mocked me for reading Dazzler. <laughs> and now you're like, ooh, Sonny with a chance is going to be Dazzler. Ooh, I'm vaguely excited. <laughs> ooh. She's not blonde. I'm sure she can die at her. Um, This first issue of The Amazing Spider-Man is cover dated January of 1999. You were only four. You were only three. Was I? Yeah. Right. So you do know how old I am. Yeah. Uh, The cover is by John Byrne, and it's once again a symbolic Spider-Man pose with the old comic staple floating heads. Oh... (laughs) The cover screams the legend reborn. It's a wraparound cover, meaning that the back page forms part of the image, but it's it's not particularly dynamic again, especially for a first issue. Really. Mm. Do you like it? Um, not really. Why? What don't you like about it? Because it's not really dynamic or anything. Mm. It's got floating heads. And, look at Spider. 
Yeah. His eyes are too far apart. Oh, uh, yeah. That's just artistic interpretation, really, isn't it? Well, not really, because... No. Some John Burns stuff doesn't have his eyes that far apart. No. I, it's not a great rendition of your friendly neighbourhood Spider-Man, to be honest with you. It's not a great cover, not to be honest. first spectacular No, not for a first issue. issue. No. Anyway... The title is Where Are You Spider-Man? Using text speak for the R and the U. Uh, Not even I do that. No. Uh, it's written by Howard Mackey with art by John Byrne and Scott Hanna. There's a fold-out inside cover bringing us up to speed with the story so far. Oh. Peter beats the Green Goblin but fed up of the public backlash and flushed from his wife Mary Jane's modelling work decides once again to... You've guessed it. Give up being Spider-Man. I didn't read this. Yeah, a double enemy. Like um, meets a junior, right? Yes. Cool. How long do you think it will last this time? Him uh, giving up being Spider-Man. I'll give it the first five, five pages. You think? Nah, don't, he lasts longer in this world than he did last time. Oh, he lasts exceptionally longer. Yes, books. he does. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. So the story begins. The Human Torch puts out a call for Spider-Man, who hasn't been seen for a while, at the usual meeting place atop the Statue of Liberty. The rest of the Fantastic Four ask Johnny to quit when Spider-Man is a no-show, and they conveniently fly past Peter Parker and his swanky new Manhattan apartment. How did he get that? Uh, Oh, we'll be explained later. He exposits about how he's never going to be Spider-Man again, (laughs) Uh, about how he and MJ are both young and in love, and that he's back in graduate school. Aunt May, who seems to be living with them, feeds him a butty because he's too skinny. Well, is she living with them? Because she says she couldn't find anything in the kitchen. Uh, she's only just gotten used to the kitchen, right. is what she actually says. So she is living with them. Because I don't know about you, but nothing says marriage better than having a mother-in-law living with you. Yeah. Oh, it brings me out in hives just thinking about it. And I quite like my mother-in-law. MJ calls from a modelling gig. It's her salary that's paying for the swanky digs. And tells Peter she has to stop off in Paris and London, so it's going to be a week before she gets home. Meanwhile, on the streets... Word on the street, dude. Dog. Snoop Dog. Snoop Doggy Homie. Huggy Burr. Meanwhile, on the streets, Daredevil is feeling Spider-Man's loss keenly. Captain America and the Avengers also wonder what happened to Spider-Man. A Daily Bugle headline gets Cap all hot under the cowl, and this leads to a Daily Bugle scene. Jonah is ranting and raving, as usual, uh, when news comes out that the Scorpion is on a rampage. Peter turns down the offer to go and take photos. The Scorpion is indeed tearing up sections of New York, saying he has someone to track down, and Betty Brandt, bugle reporter, tries to take her own pictures. Just as she gets into harm's way, Spider-Man shows up and kicks some ass. Spidey says he's new at this game, and the Scorpion quickly gains the upper hand, crushing Spider-Man under some rubble. Sometime later, Peter shows up for a job interview at Tricor, looking none the worse for wear after his encounter with the Scorpion. He's shown around, but the Scorpion shows up looking for someone. He trashes the lab, and Peter is forced to save a few people, inconspicuously, of course. Scorpion's arm bleeps, and he realises Peter is who he's after, and no one is more surprised than Peter when Spider-Man shows up to save him! Who? What? What's going on? Fighty McFight. But it's Peter who saves the day with some quick science-y type thinking, and he's offered a job. Science-y. Science-y. That's not a word. I just made that up, dude. Yeah. Fighty McFight's not a word either, I don't no. think. 
Unless somebody has the surname of McFight. <laughs> Sounds like a character from Blackadder. Um, there's a second story in this issue called Rebirth by Howard Mackey and Raphael Kayanian, in which the Scorpion gets a makeover by a sinister unseen adversary. I can get that origin, actually. Uh, and story three, The Secrets of Spider-Man by John Byrne. Up in the attic, Peter reminisces about becoming Spider-Man. That is pretty much it, isn't it? Pretty That's much. the synopsis. Yeah. yeah, I could go into more detail, but what's the point? Um, my personal thinking of this is... Uh, the opening two pages are just exposition overload, aren't they? Considering this is a, a new beginning, yeah. or a re... Well, it's not really a reboot again, but it's supposedly divorcing itself from the past. Page two has a flashback to what happened before. And then there's just nothing but whoa, thought balloons and people talking to themselves, or bringing readers up to speed. Um, it's really unconvincing. Uh, I can buy him thinking all this stuff, but when he's talking aloud to himself, it's just really quite unconvincing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Or I thought so. Maybe that's just me. Um, Aunt May slags off Spider-Man on page three, but the apartment where they live, they have a photo of Spider-Man on the wall. Yes, yeah, so you noticed that too. I did notice that, I was going to put yeah. it in the notes, but then I noticed yeah, you'd already put it. It's just very, very silly. Um, would Peter and MJ really live without May? Um, maybe she just... Or maybe she lives in the apartment next door or something. She thinks they've got her a granny flat. (laughs) Um, The opening three pages are trying far too hard to get Peter back to being the put-upon teenager whose aunt dotes on him of yore, but it falls really flat. The fact that they're still saddled with the marriage plots against everything the writers are trying to rebuild. You can see them struggling with it as they quickly establish that Murray Jane will be out of the picture for a while. Um, there's a nice gratuitous shot of MJ in a bikini on page 5 woo woo did you like that uh, best panel in that yeah. best panel in the book yep yes what's that satellite that's monitoring her call at the top of that page maybe it'll come in later is this a plot that will run its course in, in due time I don't remember granted it's probably 11 years since I last read these but um why did she go back to modelling after becoming a successful actress in the 90s um I don't know. Isn't that a step backwards for model turns actress? Um, I suppose so. Isn't it? Yeah. I think so. But maybe that's just me. Oh, the one. setup for what's going to happen regarding Peter and MJ's swanky new digs is set up like a neon sign on page five. It is. It is. What? Did you not spot this? What? Read that panel though. Read it aloud. No, hasn't mate. She's in the apartment working out to the new phone to show off. Are you sending the bills to my business? Are you sending the bills to my business manager? <laughs> hmm. What do we think's going to happen if Peter's just sending the bills to MJ's business manager? So they're not actually working out their own finances. They're trusting. MJ's business manager. Are they going to end up horribly, horribly in debt? Yes! <laughs> it's like neon sign, <laughs> okay. isn't it? I just thought that was really... Cl- Are you sending the bills to my business manager? Because that always goes well. You know that bank in London? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just... Oh, you know. Um, I think the art's quite lovely. I mean, there are times when Scott Hanna's inks don't really work with Burns' art. Mm. But it's it's good traditional comic book art. It's not his best. It's not his best work. No. But it's not his worst. No. 
And there are some bits of it that are really quite nice. Um, I yeah, think like Burns... That like that Murray Jane in a bikini, yeah. I think Burns at his best drawing Marvel superheroes. Um, I don't think anyone draws a better Avengers, except maybe George Perez. Mm-hmm. And nobody draws a better Captain America. Okay. His Captain America's brilliant. Speaking of the Avengers... Yes. Right? Why does Scarlet Witch look like she's... Um, a gypsy. Yeah. Hmm. And who's he? And... Who's she? Uh, he's Nightshade. Right. I have no idea who the other girl is. Is it not Firestar? Oh, oh and he's got that crappy ass shield. Yes, the continuity at this time was Captain America had some kind of glowy energy shield, didn't he? Yeah. Because his adamantium shield got destroyed or cracked or something. Uh, Scarlet Witch is wearing that weirdo costume because she is. That's just what she was wearing at the time. Women are allowed to change their clothes, surely. Okay. Because Iron Man's armor's different. Iron Man's armor's always different. Yeah, well, there you go. Read the old Stan Lee ones. It's different. Well, you change it every week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think, yeah, that's great. Um, if Peter's no longer Spider-Man, and taking pictures of Spider-Man was his thing, plus the money that MJ's obviously earning, why is he working at the Bugle at all? Is he... Well, I don't know. Is he not a freelancer or whatever? Well, why? I mean, he still needs some money. No, he doesn't. MJ's obviously loaded and he's gone back to school. My get my everything from MJ. Yeah, my implication from that was Mary Jane was the one earning a crust. Yeah. So she said to Peter, you go back to school and finish your, your degree. Can, can you imagine talking to that like with all your drinking mates? It's like, oh, my, my wife's taking it all. You're not doing anything. Your wife's doing all of it. Yeah, it'd be brilliant. Okay. I'd be so down with that. Okay. I'm an equal opportunities latch. <laughs> I'm perfectly down with the wife earning the money of me staying at home all day. I have no ego to bruise. <laughs> I'd be down with that. Um, the Scorpion's redesign. Dude, you is fugly. I prefer it to the one he had before. Do you? Just wearing a green jumpsuit. But he had a tail. He also does a tail. No, that just looks cat. That just looks like he's got too much metallic armour on him. He looks like Azrael Batman. <laughs> yeah. Which- Only... With actual fingers, yeah. not spikes. Yeah, it's just stupid. Don't well, like it at all. It's the one he wore in the video game, even though he wasn't in the movie. Which video game? Spider-Man, the movie one. The Spider-Man movie video game, yeah. not Enter Electro or no, stuff like that. No. Right? Did I like that one? I'm not sure. Which ones did I like? I liked the Ultimate Spider-Man one, didn't I? Yeah. And I liked which is the one with web balls. Those are the old PlayStation ones. They're brilliant, then. And the old PlayStation yeah, ones. Spider-Man 2 is also the best game. Enter Electro. No, the, well, yeah, but the second movie one. I don't remember that one. It's when they introduced Free Roam, so you swung around. Oh, yeah. And, and there's just, a crime over there. So you can just, yeah, somebody yeah. was getting mugged and you just dropped down and beat them up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, what did we notice about this reboot in 1999 and the big time reboot in 2011. The only difference is you've not got Humberto Ramos's crappy up. The tricore scenes are identical to the scenes in Horizon Labs right down to the Willy Wonka reference. Yeah. And also, Max Modell is the same as that ginger It's the spitting image of Walt Thorson, isn't he? Um, the ending is exactly the same. Peter saves the day with science. Oh, so not that ending. No, not that ending. Thus earning the respect of his peers, um, which is identical. Mm -hmm. I I want to give Dan Slott the benefit of the doubt here, 
and say that that's deliberate and he's doing it for a specific reason that we don't know yet because he's a much better writer than that and he knows Spidey history so this can't be a coincidence probably not I'm hoping it doesn't just fizzle out like the Tricor story did have you read the brand new day issue routines of the Punisher yes I sometime after that I read an annual one of your annuals which had the exact same story in but this was like 20, 30 years before. Compare the two, exact same words, exact same panels. You'll have to show me that, I don't remember that. Right. Which Spider-Man annual? But one of the old ones, I don't know. Right. One but of my British ones. Probably, I don't know. Right. But, but I mean, it's different artists, but it's exactly the same. Right. Well, there's only so many stories in the world, I suppose. The names of the Tricor employees are in-jokes of some kind. Walt Thorson looks a little like Thor artist Walt Simonson. But um. Stan Hardy is a mixture of Stan Laurel and Oliver Hardy. I got that. I don't get Javier Calderoni, though. Javier. Did you get that? No. No, I didn't get that one either. Um, how does the Scorpion know Peter's name? He unmasked himself from his life. Wait, no, that would No, he happen. didn't. That would, that would happen <laughs> ten years in the future. Oh, would it? Oh, would it? <laughs> yes. That would happen ten years in the future, but then be removed from continuity, so it never so actually it happened. it wouldn't happen at all? No. So it wouldn't happen. In so which begs the question, how does the Scorpion know Peter's name? Um, uh, did it not find out in a previous issue? I don't remember. Um, Bernard Mackey considered, for a short time, having Peter wake up back in high school with no explanation. Really? And it would turn out that the shape of worlds drawn to Peter's pain would put him back to where he was happiest back in high school when he was about 16 years old. What, being picked on by all those people? Yes, his, his dreadful high school life that he hated yeah. and couldn't wait to get out of. That was the happiest time of his life, apparently. Not when his uncle was still alive. No. Not when his parents were still alive. No, the happiest time of his life was just after he got his spider powers, when he was miserable as sin every issue, because Flash Thompson picked on him, and no girl would give him the time of day, and he had no money, and being Spider-Man sucked... And being a teenager sucked, and I hate everybody, and I'm going to wear black and listen to goth music. That was the happiest time of his life, apparently. And then the book... At least you'd have got to do the black spidey quicker. Yes, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> Instead of having the white eyes, he put black eyeliner around him. <laughs> and then the boot would just carry on from there, and it would never be mentioned again. Okay. If they had done that, yep. there would be no need for Ultimate Spider-Man, would there? No, not Civil War or any no, comics. No, he just, comics we pick up today. He'd have just gone back to being a teenager as of this issue. See, there's a part of me, a very small part, but yeah. a part nevertheless, that oh, wishes... Oh, I know there's a very small oh, part. Oh, yeah. shut up. That they'd done that. Right, okay. I could have lived with that. Mm. Instead of this mess that we get here. Fair Because pretty art aside, this issue is a mess. Um, it's superficially similar to what Strasinski wanted to do, as we've mentioned before, but again, mm-hmm. Marvel didn't want to implement such a drastic change because they have no stones. Um, it's pretty obvious from the setup that all this good fortune is going to come crumbling down around Peter's ears at some point. But this entire issue shows why Spider Man shouldn't be married. He doesn't work as a character at all in this milieu. There's, there's no reason for Peter to be hard up because Murray Jane's earning a fortune. There's no reason for him to be working at the Bugle, because Murray Jane's earning a fortune, so he can go back to full-time school. And there's no reason for him to be Spider-Man at all. He's married now. 
So his responsibility is to his missus. It's not to swing it around New York in a pair of fancy long johns and saving other people's lives. He's done that. He's paid his debt to his Uncle Ben. His guilt is paid off. He can move on with his life. It makes no sense. Uh, This is what Peter's life should be like after he leaves and graduates universities and marries. But that's the end of Spider-Man's story. Mm, Whereas this is trying to carry it on beyond the end of its natural life. You've seen The Incredibles. Uh, Yeah, well, The Incredibles is a different thing, though. The Incredibles were created and we saw them having been married. Peter Parker is the story of a teenager. It's a story of responsibility. And as we said before, it's a story of a child being forced into the adult world. It's like if you were suddenly left on your own tomorrow and you had to go and get a job as well as working in in high school, going to school, you would suddenly have to take responsibility for paying your own bills and buying your own food. So if I woke up tomorrow... On my own? Yes. Would you take everything on that bookshelf with you? Well, forget the bookshelves. <laughs> you can have my bookshelves when I'm dead. Um, it's This is the happy ending yeah. that the character deserves, but by giving him this ending and carrying on, the strip loses all of its potency. The similarities between this and the recent relaunch, because technically only one of these issues is really a reboot, mm-hmm. the middle one, Swing Shift, um, a striking, and I really do hope Slot isn't going to go down the same path as this, because this ended up being a real damp squib of a, a story. Um, the art is great. Uh, as we've mentioned, Scott Hanna doesn't really compliment Burns' pencils, but the script is just leaden. The dialogue's wooden and on the nose. The exposition is too forced. It's not terrible, no. but as a relaunch... It sucks moose, doesn't it? Pretty much. Had you read this before? No. What did you think of it? Well, I didn't get the half of it. Why not? What did you not get? Because I hadn't read anything before it. Exactly, so as a relaunch, it fails, doesn't it? Pretty much. It's it's miserable. Especially when every page you get, you keep being reminded what happened before. Yeah, so, so it's it's not any good. In It fails in what it sets out to do. Mm. If you're a new reader picking this up for the first time, what did you think of it? Um... Well, do you I, feel I like you've come in? Did you feel like you've come in at a new story? No, I feel like I've just walked in the middle. Of See, it's, it's it's miserable. At least big time and swing shift feel like the beginnings of a story, don't they? Yeah, it's the new beginning. It's like, oh great, okay, I can read this from here. This is just. Great. Do you have any thoughts on it in general? Um, well, what I didn't get was why Peter was so excited about the interview with Tricor because weren't they trying to kill Spidey on a couple of occasions? It was that like, back in the. David Michelini run. I don't know. I now that you mention it, that does sound really familiar. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yes. And um, I also liked how the Human Torch's words could be seen throughout New York. Yeah, because yeah. he lit him in the sky. I've said that. Right, and on page 15 as well, yeah. which I'm probably not going to be able to... Because they don't have page numbers no. anymore. There we go. Right, look. Spider-Man does not look like he's kicking the scorpion because his feet look like they're in front of his face. The perspective's slightly off. Yeah. Yeah. There's also a police and donut joke in this, which never get old. Um, I wasn't fond of John Byrne's art really here because it's not really his best. And I also preferred Story 2's art. Raphael Kayanen. Kayana. Did you? Oh, see, I thought that was a bit... I didn't dislike it. It looks very Scott Campbell. Yeah, Spider-Man looks too muscular mm. to me. 
Uh, Spider-Man shouldn't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. But I didn't get the second story. Because <coughs> someone's talking to him, saying he'll die. Spider-Man pops up, squashes Scorpion. He rips out of his costume. He's in a new one. It's all in his head. Is it? Yeah. How, where did he get the new costume from? We will not find out in this issue, and I don't remember. Right. Yeah, I can dig them all out for you if you want to read them. No, thanks. Okay. Uh, story two, which you've just talked about, happened again just recently. Did Scorpion it? got a new costume. Did it? The more things change. Oh, he's Venom now, isn't he? Yeah, it? well, he wasn't, isn't he back to being Scorpion now? Oh, because he became Venom, and then he came Venom, Scorpion, and knew his ways to die, and yeah. then he came, I don't know. And is Matt Gargan back being Venom, or is he anti-Venom? No, Eddie Brock's anti-Venom. Yes, and Matt so, Gargan's back being the Scorpion. Not Uncle Venom. Not Uncle Venom. <laughs> <laughs> Joke never gets old. Uh, Scorpion's new costume in this issue is god-awful. Um, thankfully, it didn't last. I don't see the point of changing something if you're going to make it worse. Um, story three... References to how Spider-Man's powers work for newer readers, but as we've just established, if Michael is indicative of newer readers, they don't want to read any more of this one. Mm. Um, the reference to his origin, where Peter is caught in an explosion yeah, after I'd, the spider. I remember that. Yeah. Well, that's a reference to the rebooted origin told in Chapter 1, a 12-issue miniseries that updated Spider-Man's origin for the new millennium by writer-artist John Byrne. Unfortunately... Unlike Byrne's origin update for Superman in 1986, this updated Spider-Man origin was not well received. Um, I didn't like it at all. Um, Stan and Steve did it much better, and the stuff Byrne added made more of a mess than it cleared up. Um, And also, it's not Spider-Man's beginnings that were wrong. Okay. The first 50 to 100 issues of Spider-Man are perfect. There's nothing wrong with them. It's his new... It's what's happening now that needs fixing. Yeah. Not his first 100 issues. Um... There's some nice stuff in this little story. It's a better telling of Spider-Man's beginnings in four pages mm. than all 12 issues of Chapter 1. But, uh, yeah, Doctor Octopus has got funny cyborg limbs and yeah. Electro's got a silly new costume and, yeah, I just didn't buy any of this at all, to be honest with you. Hey, look, Mary Jane's back. And great. Mary Jane's back. Because this was obviously before the first story, ah, okay. chronologically speaking. Ah. Excellent. So, of those three rebooted issues, which was your favourite? Swing Shift. Swing Shift? Yeah. I'd probably go with Swing Shift. Okay. As well, actually. And then Big Time. Yeah. And then we'll just forget that the 1999 one happened. Because mm-hmm. everyone else seems to have. <laughs> yeah. Oh, any final thoughts? No. Nope. Next week, very, 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 very excited next week. Yeah. Star Wars. Oh, so we're doing that next week. Yes, we're doing that next week. See you next week. Bye. Hey Kids Comics is a The Devil Will Find Work for Idle Hands to Do production. All music used in the show is copyright by their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. Michael and Andrew make no money from this. They do it simply for fun. And because they have too much spare time. Ah. The opinions of Michael and Andrew expressed in the show are the opinions of Michael and Andrew and nobody else. We can be emailed on heykidscomics at virginmedia.com and our website is www.heykidscomics.webspace.virginmedia.com You can friend us on Facebook by going to Hey Kids, all one name, comics, all one name. And now it's time to pick up our bottomless brown bag, don an ill-advised polyester shirt and beige bell-bottoms and hitchhike down the loneliest road we can find, all the while trying to find a way to control the raging spirit that dwells within. You be good to yourself, my friends.